Welcome to the Boost Health Podcast, where we are searching for wellness balance. Your host is Paul Sandberg, a certified strength and conditioning specialist with nearly 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry and degrees in human biology and business. At Boost Health, our passion is to learn and share new wellness tactics and help individuals create their own personal health strategy. Join us on this journey of being open-minded and trying new things. You can learn more at MyBoostHealth.com. Welcome to the show. Find your balance. 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 Find your balance. That is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 48 of the Boost Health Podcast. Today's show features special guest Andrew Silito. He's a business psychologist, performance coach, public speaker, and author. His most recent book, The Four Keys, How to Win in Your Business, Body, Relationships, and Mindset, discusses something that we chat about each week on the show, finding wellness balance. As such, we had a fantastic chat and cover a ton of topics on the show, including why he chose those specific four keys, how finding balance requires work, how if you look at balance of work and life as a 50-50, you'll never catch up, getting ahead early in the day and the week to create space, slowing down in one area of life to bring up another, always saving some reserves in your energy tank, and much more. A couple quick announcements, and we'll jump right into the show. Boost Health TV. The Boost Health podcast is now available via video format on the Boost Health TV YouTube channel. Boost Health TV also includes several awesome workout videos, including a new one I just created that requires no equipment. I'll link to the channel in the show notes and blog so you can check it out. And the weekly Boost newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for this, you can do so really easily by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now here is episode number 48, Finding Balance in Your Business, Body, Relationships, and Mindset, featuring Andrew Silito. So I have a special guest on the Boost Health podcast today. His name is Andrew Silito. He has a really interesting background that I think makes him very well suited to help us find our wellness balance, which is what we always talk about here. He is a business psychologist, a performance coach, a public speaker, and an author, and he's from Kent, England. And he's blending 20 years of experience as an elite international sportsman and coach, along with three published books and an acclaimed TED Talk. And Andrew's innovative and straight-talking views on leadership, teamwork, and strategy has resulted in his advice and guidance being sought after by key figures at several FTSE 100 companies. In 1997, Andrew made the move from Canada to pursue a professional roller hockey career and develop his coaching skills. And he succeeded in both, becoming the first British player to play professionally while his thriving business uh, coaching business was born. And in 2004, he moved into the corporate world as a sales and marketing consultant for Yellow Pages. In 2007, his unique and visionary approach in business saw him headhunted by a consultancy to speak about a winning mindset. 
And just a year later, he developed a new method to enable elite athletes and business leaders to fulfill their potential. And this was actually the seed that eventually blossomed into his renowned Four Keys approach. He's got an awesome book called The Four Keys we're going to talk about a lot today. I really like his Four Keys, and you'll see how it is very similar to the seven wellness dimensions that we talk about here on the show all the time. Now, after competing in 11 inline hockey world championships for Team Great Britain, in 2010, he was actually offered the perfect platform on which to try out his innovative strategies as the head coach of Team Great Britain. Now, with Andrew at the helm, they won gold and promotion for the first time into Pool A at the IIHF World Championships nine months later. So super, super cool. He's obviously skilled in business and in athletics, which is awesome. Now, buoyed by the success of his approach, Andrew headed back to the books to strengthen his methodologies with some academic rigor and eventually resulted in a master's in organizational psychology at Burbeck University. In 2013, he wrote about his work in a book called Managing the Mist, How to Develop Winning Mindsets and Create High-Performing Teams. Now, you can see how he would probably figure that out after creating a gold medal team. These days, Andrew speaks to aspiring entrepreneurs and business leaders all around the world with Pfizer, Ericsson, Nationwide, Virgin Media, and BBC are among the global corporations who've turned to Andrew to empower its leaders to take full responsibility in their business, body, relationships, and mindset. He does this with plain English and molds together a range of techniques from his background in professional sport business psychology, and well-being. So it's a big intro, Andrew, but he had so many cool things. I wanted to make sure we included all of it. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, buddy. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really, uh, It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. I just want to remind everybody, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things today, and there's going to be links to all of the resources that we talk about in the show notes and blogs. So you can go back and check out everything uh, that we talk about today. So Andrew, I don't know if you knew this, but we actually have something similar um, that I think probably pushes us along in you know our career and in life. We both had our fathers pass away really young. Your your dad was forty eight; he passed away from mm-hmm. a heart attack. My dad was only fifty one; he had pancreatic cancer. You and I were both fairly young when our dads pass away. <clears throat> There's a lot of different mm-hmm. paths you can sort of take <laughs> when that happens to you as a young as a young individual, obviously there's some really bad paths. There's some good paths, whatever. And I, I work really, really hard to, you know, to make sure this terrible occurrence inspires me to learn and teach as much as I can about wellness. That's sort of the path I've taken. Was your father passing away at a young age, motivating to you and in, in the work you do now? Um, I think it was, it was certainly motivating uh, for me at the time to, to live my life and to follow my dream, my passion, um, it wasn't really until later when I made the connection between my purpose of working with business owners and business leaders. And uh, and even the time that I worked in the corporate world, I worked for a company called Yellow Pages. Uh, so I was working with a lot of uh, small to medium sized businesses, working on their strategy. And I could see I could see my dad in a lot of the people that I was I was working with. And um my dad had grown a business, you know, gone all in on his business and um but let other facets of his life um, perhaps take over. Uh, he enjoyed the good life, and and uh, you know, and, and that caught up with him. And I, so that that's always been on my mind. So health has been on my mind, um, certainly. So that that that's been a key thing. Um, but I would say it was more in the last ten years, maybe maybe even less, where I started to really see the connection between my purpose, getting it, getting out of bed 
to do this work uh, and and hoping that I can make a difference um, with with business leaders and owners and and um, you know I, my dad died on in the early hours of Monday morning and it wasn't it's about 10 years ago I found a study that, that said that 20% um, more people die in the early hours of Monday morning because they're brought on by stress and anxiety and um, so that really triggered something in me and, and what could I do to work with organizations to help them to think seriously about that you know, that people should be thriving on you know and, and not anxious about going to work the next day gosh you know if if you're if you're even if you're super successful with your business and you haven't taken care of the other there's there's six other dimensions to wellness besides just your career and so if you're not tapping into these other dimensions and paying attention to them um well, yeah it can it can really be hard on you I really like those dimensions you talk about. It's the first time, you know, I saw, I'd seen them um, when you presented them to me. Um, and they, yeah, they make a lot of sense. Well, let's talk, let's talk about your dimensions or your keys, because like I said, and we'll talk more about how they sort of interrelate with the six dimensions, but I really like the way you approach it um, because it, it taps into the, the different dimensions. And it's also, I think it's easy for people to remember for and sort of tick those boxes every day. Um, so your mm -hmm. book, the full name of the book is The Four Keys, How to Win in Your Business, Body, Relationships, and Mindset. So can you quickly yeah. just tell us a little bit about each one of those four keys and why you chose them as the important four for us to balance? Sure. Um, so I think with the, with the sports background, body and mindset are the two, two, you know, looking after the body, being healthy, training um work on skills and then mindset the psychology of being able to perform at the the best level um has always been something um and then i i guess as i started to work with businesses i started to recognize that there was there is this business element but even as an athlete there's this business element you know one of the things we used to talk about with team gb bearing in mind that all amateur players um it was, we're there for business and um to get into that mindset that we are here to do business so so business body and, and mindset were always the three key strands for me um but interestingly i'd always reflected on how my performance was better if my relationship was was okay if, if i if i went to the world championships and you know for whatever reason my partner at the time wasn't happy about me leaving or something was going on i hadn't the relationship was uh, challenging then it, it would affect my game and it, well, i always reflected on it but i'd never really made a um I never looked at it, you know, as a, as a thing that I should kind of explore. It was just, it was just there. Um, but I, but I knew that um, some of my best tournaments when I wasn't in a relationship, for example, when I was just focused on on playing. Um, so, so that that did uh, play on my mind. Um, and then, really, the the real catalyst was um, the fact that I started my business in 2012. I was working with with the British team. You know, the world was great for me. I, I'd written a book. I, we promoted into Paul A. Uh, my business was thriving. Um, and then my wife turned around one day and said, I didn't sign up for this. You know, and this is not not the type of lifestyle um, or relationship uh, that, that, that I thought we were going to have. You know, I was traveling a lot. Um, and uh, my, my eldest daughter, so my wife was the stepmother of my eldest daughter. And so she would take on responsibility for that. And I would go off and, and, and do the work. Um and I realized that that kind of all came crashing down around me. And I realized actually this relationship piece is, is hugely important um, for whether you're an athlete or a, or a business owner or a business leader. We have to put the, the we have to do the work 
in our relationships. And people say, you know, behind every good man is a good woman and vice versa. Um, but I would say behind every good business is a strong relationship. Um, and I started sharing this idea with other, uh, some of my clients. I had a small group of people that I was working with. I guess you could call it a mastermind, although we didn't refer to it at the time. But I had a group of leaders and I just started sharing my experience. And, and every, there was just consensus that this was a real challenge. You know, time with the kids, time with the partner, building in time, being proactive. Um, so we started doing this, this work and we started talking about business body, um, business body relationships mindset. And, and it seemed to resonate with them. Um, what was interesting about three months in was that I would uh, say, well, do you want me to run a workshop on client acquisition or something business related? And the feedback, and it was a catalyst really for me, was, you know what, we, we're going all in on our body our relationships and our mindset. I'm healthier than I've ever been. You know, people would say I'm people in their mid forties that had never really taken their health seriously. Um, was just feeling more productive, um, more energized, more focused. Um, their relationships were in check and they were doing things like meditating, which they'd never even imagined doing mm -hmm, before. Right. And they said, the business is just taking care of itself. It literally is taking care of itself. I'm coming into work as the best version of myself because everything else is working. And I think it's a real message because we often go, you know, we've got to go and work our business, make money, and everything else should be fine. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's so hard to concentrate on on work if you don't have things in, in order with your relationships, right? Whether it's at business or at home, you, you can't concentrate and you can't be productive. That's really – one of the things I like that you say, though, Andrew, that I think is important <clears throat> that takes this from a concept – to actionable is you say you put in the work you put in yep. the work in each of these four keys and what again just drawing the line between this and the the seven wellness dimensions is you have you have different energy energy blocks that you can put into each one of your wellness dimensions and that's the exact same thing, thing that you mean by work you may not need to necessarily put in you know, 50% of your energy into physical, maybe your physical part of it is sort of on autopilot, <laughs> but you dang well may be to put 50% of it into your relationships or your social or emotional wellness. So understanding yeah. that it's not just going to be something that you pay attention to, but that you actually have to put energy or, or work. I like work because it actually makes people think it's not going to be easy necessarily. It's, it's going to require effort. It's hard. Mm -hmm. No, it's hard and it's relentless and, and we take our foot off the gas and we go and then all of a sudden things start to to shake and, you know, and uh, <laughs> it can break down. So, we, we you know, we it's, it's a, it's, it is actually quite relentless. Um, it is in the book I talk about the foundations and one of the foundations is do the work. Um, mm -hmm. If you want a strong business, do the work. If you want a strong relationship, do the work. It's not really about work-life balance. You know, people say to me, how do I, I mean, I talk about bringing balance because people understand that. So it is about bringing balance back to life. But to our lives, but it's, it's about doing the work in those four, four key areas. Well, and I've, I'm almost like work-life balance for me is almost becoming like a meme <laughs> because, because work is occupational wellness. Yes, that's important. That's one of seven, but life, how many, how many dimensions of wellness does that include? That includes all of them. It's not work-life mm -hmm. balance. It's occupational. It's social. It's emotional. It's like you talk about with body and relationships and mindset. These are all, these are all buckets within life. It's not just work-life balance. If you think of it as a 50, 50, you're already off. It's not 50. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're not going to keep up. Yeah. You know? Never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I like that you do is you, you set a timeline. Um, and I like, 
I think there's probably uh, some science behind this, but I want to hear you speak to it because uh, I've seen some of it. You put in a 90 day plan sort of at the get go mm -hmm. for people to get started, to put in the work initially. What was the, the theory or the science behind the, the 90 days? Uh, it, just focus, really. I mean, I, I come from a you know, business strategy background, three-year plans, five-year business plans, and six months into those plans, the world changed, the landscape changed, the economy changed. Um, so what I noticed that I would um, start focusing on 100-day on, on projects with, with clients and sometimes 20-day projects. And, and then 90 days, whether, I don't know, it's over here we play, we, um, we call it, you call it soccer, we call it football. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, it's 90 minutes. The game's 90 minutes here. So I don't, I don't know if there's something, just that, that absolute focus is beginning and an end. Um, but what, what was interesting when I first started doing it myself was that, particularly with a small group that we had, that we, uh, we started getting really good results. And we got so excited, we would be thinking about doing them back to back. Um, but that is when the burnout uh, creeps in. And what I've noticed is that you can do one 90-day game plan a year. And there's some sort of compound effect that, that happens. Um, so one of the things I talk about is stretching ourselves, getting out of our comfort zone, holding that stretch for a period of time, like 90 days, for example. And then you go back to your comfort zone. But because you've stretched yourself, you are probably going to be fitter, leaner. You're probably going to be uh, the business has grown because we've built a pipeline out. The relationship is stronger because we've we've done the work around that, and we've got some some sort of clarity. Um, and, and peace of mind around around mindset because we're taking the time to slow down. I talk about slowing down to speed up a lot. Um, so that even just one 90-day game plan in January can set you up for the entire year. Um, it doesn't have to be this relentless go, go, go all the time, but some focused sort of aggressive action for, for a period of time can really pay dividends. Yeah, I, I like that. If you look at even just something as simple as like body from body transformation challenges. A lot of them are the three month or the, or the 90 days. And that's because, yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to, you know, start to, to mold this new you, like you're, you're starting these new strategies and you have to give it time. There's going to be probably some, some flexing that has to occur where you're going off track and getting back on. So this sort of allows you to, to gain some momentum and, and make progress. So I, I really like that. Yeah. And I, I've talked to boxing coaches and 12 weeks is, it's a great period of time to pre prepare for a fight. It's uh, uh, when when I, I would always have the team picked before the world championships, three months before the world championships. Oh, um, nice. We'd have that tense 90 days as a team uh, preparing. So, so yeah, there a number of things that, that kind of just got me thinking about this idea of 90 day game plan. All right. Well, I want, I want to sort of help people conceptualize if they don't already know about the wellness dimensions, let's bring that in and let's talk about the four keys together because there's a lot of crossover. I think it's really important. Mm. So those that don't know about the, this, the, the, they actually started out as the six dimensions of wellness. It was started by Dr. Bill Kettler. Uh, and he's with now it's now the national wellness Institute, but he started these six dimensions of wellness back in 1976. So you can sort of picture it like a wheel and each one of these dimensions of wellness are like spokes out into your wheel. So it's occupational, social, intellectual, physical, emotional, spiritual, and environmental. Now, as you hear Andrew talk about his four keys, I want you to think about how each one of these sort of plugs in and pulls from these different dimensions. And you don't have to agree with me, Andrew, it's okay. But I think that what you've done with the four keys has a lot of similarities um, and pulling in from these different dimensions. And so in the last 
probably 10 years or so with the urgency that we have with uh, our environmental um, wellness, um, that's been added as a dimension. And it's really just about being aware and satisfied and understanding what your environment is and, and, and being well with, with your environment around you. So I don't know, would you agree that there's lots of integration between these dimensions and what you have with your four keys? I think there's integration, definitely. I think there's some crossover. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the four keys, but I think there are, you know, I've been in this business of, of, of psychology and business psychology for a long time to know that there are lots of things that have been sort of bastardized and changed and improved. And, <laughs> you know, and, and when we strip it all back, we get to the kind of, some some similarities so i have no ego around that but um so definitely you know the the emotional and spiritual you could argue kind of sits within mindset that's exactly Um, what i was thinking yes when i first moved into leadership development um this was back in 2007 um we were told not to use the s word (laughs) right yes because you know you go into a a large corporate organization and you start talking about that kind of thing, spiritual leadership and, and so on, you know, people, well, that's, um, I think it's more acceptable now. I think people seem to be a bit more, I mean, the fact that I can, I can ask a group of 10 business leaders to, to consider meditation as a way to help their performance. I would have got laughed off the stage, you know, 10 years ago. Sure. Um, so there has been a shift, whether that's digital is playing a role in that because we just need to try and find some space somehow. And, you know, and that, this digital world we're in um i don't know what what the reasons are um but yeah so the, definitely that 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 stood out for me the emotional and spiritual piece um and then yeah the, clearly there's some other things that kind of overlapped business and um and so on yeah and I, I, that's a good point yeah spiritual is always sort of been woo woo up until even the last few years. And part of that's just because there's some dang good science coming out about the benefits of like gratitude journaling. If you spend five minutes of gratitude journaling a day, I think you improve your long-term health by overall almost 10%. It's just crazy to think about, but I mean, it's the science is there and it, you know, something as simple as just writing down what you're thankful for every day. It's a, it's a pretty good investment of time. And yep. you can't, you can't sit down and gratitude journal for five minutes and just go, well, I feel like crap. That was a big waste of time. I mean, you just, you're not going to feel right. like that. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, but it's just people taking the plunge to, to, to do these things, you know, and um, that's uh, the difference. One of the things I really, I think you and I are very similar in Andrew is, I think we both like productivity. I'm just guessing here, but um, I saw um, you mentioned on Recruiter TV, you did an interview on Recruiter TV, which is really good. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. I want to share that. One okay. of the thing you talked about was your morning routine and your productivity with and how you're productive. And you, you try to get these four keys. You get up early like I do. So you get up at five on most days, mm-hmm. which I'm pleading with people as much as possible. There's no such thing as early bird, early uh, birds and adults. No, no such thing. It takes three days. If you get up at four 30 in an AM for three days in a row, you will go to bed at eight 30. It won't be a problem. It takes a couple days, change your circadian rhythm. You'll be fine. But that's yeah. a, that's a whole other topic. But what I like that you do, Andrew, is you try to hit these four keys before 8 AM. And I think it's a fantastic goal. Can you tell 
tell us a little bit again, remind us what the four keys are and, and how you work to achieve this by eight every day. Yeah. So the, the four keys being business, body, relationships and mindset. And yeah, I try to achieve everything before I, before I leave the house. So my business, typically it might be, um, uh, to get a post out on LinkedIn, something that adds value to my business, you know, and positions me as a, as a thought leader. That's kind of one of the things I did uh, consistently. And that, that was really, really good for me. Um, obviously body is it, it's an obvious one to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try and role model now, uh, you know, thinking of my, most of my clients are entrepreneurs, business owners, time precious, time poor, uh, may, maybe have young families. So I'm constantly trying to role model, uh, that we don't have to, you don't have to be in the CrossFit box at 6 a.m. for an hour, destroy yourself every day. Um, you know, and I know there are people that really enjoy doing that. And I did did CrossFit and I, I, I loved it, really enjoyed it. Um, but now I just, you know, I've, I'm just looking at my conservatory over there. I have a set of kettlebells. I go in, I do 20 minutes. Um, I guess it, sort of between a strength session and some high intensity training to get that done. Um, so usually I, I really target myself a half an hour so, so I can warm up and um but 30 minutes is key for me um uh, relationships is trying to do, do something nice you know it's not always before eight o'clock but I will um do the school run as often as I can mm-hmm. for the kids and you know or, so my wife can go and have her workout and so we've got that that balance that, that we've got to kind of into a routine with that um so I try and do that two days a week and then mindset recently I found you know I did Meditation, I, I like to shut it down for 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes sometimes, um, even just as a cool down on my workout. Oh, nice. Uh, but I, have you heard of Daryl Edwards? Do you know, have you yes. heard of Daryl Edwards? Yes. Yeah. See, you know, I've got friendly and um, I really like what he's doing. So uh, he has a, in his book, he has the postures. Yeah. So I try and do those, the postures. And I find that really the balance of sort of strength and breathing, um, some box breathing. So, drawing some of Mark Devine's work and um, as uh, so just all of that, I can pretty much get done, you know, before I hit, get into office. I think, I think that's fantastic. And <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm excited because I'm hitting the four keys um, as part of my morning routine as well. And something that you said, and you can appreciate this uh, with your crossover with helping businesses be more productive and, and with team strategy. Um, I, are you familiar with um, the, doing the hardest thing first or the first 90? Yeah, I've, well, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of, you know, delay gratification. Or there was another book, wasn't it? Eat the Frog First and that, you know, gets just the heavy lifting out of the way. Yes, yes. yes. So you, you do your hardest thing first. Um, and then there's a, there's a book by David Allen. It's called Getting Things Done. It's a, it's a very famous productivity book. And he's got something he calls the, the t- uh, two-minute drill. Um, or the two minute, uh, model. And basically if something is a, is in that first 90 minute window, um, that should be an output task. So what I love about what you said is that you, you created something, you created something for your business for LinkedIn. And that was an output task. You weren't checking email, you weren't checking social media, you were building something, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's working on a presentation or a big, a big problem that you're working on, but it should be pragmatic. Yes. Yes. Something pragmatic, something that is, is building work, not just inputting something. 
And then the two minute drill that David Allen talks about is, okay, now after you've gotten through that first period of actually creating something, now you can go in and say, okay, this is an email. Is this going to take me two minutes to answer yes or no? And then you just move through a whole bunch of things and just check stuff off the list. But I love the fact that you're checking off your four keys before 8 a.m., which if, if you understand wellness balance, that's hard. That's probably one of the hardest things you're going to do for the day is 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 checking those those four keys. I really like that. I th- I know you work a lot with your your um what's the name of your group that you work with? Uh you have like a Facebook group? Yeah, well we have a, a group on on Facebook called which is the Get Fit to Win. Get Fit um, to Win. Group. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was kind of the brand. I, I was it's Andrew Silito and the brand was Get Fit to Win and and then see the four keys of the book. Um yeah, so I've tried sort of working with different groups in in that respect. So I, I think that's probably something you've probably encouraged folks in that group, right? Is to to see if they can get their their four keys ticked off before before eight, right? That's my that's my recommendation, you know, because why would you want to be at home after work and sit there thinking about the workout that you've got to do? Mm, you know, it's now eight o'clock, and that's time away from the family. Um, you know, get it done. You know, and it's you can enjoy the rest of the day, uh, the rest of, you know, you don't have to think about these things. So, um, it makes absolute sense to me. I, I, in the book, I talk about three types of people that, you know, from a productivity perspective, I think there are people that are naturally productive and they can't understand why people aren't productive and, and <laughs> work in this particular way. Um, then there are people that kind of force themselves to do it. And then they're the last minute heroes who believe that if I just leave everything to the last minute, I'll perform better. I'll get everything done. Um, there's very little evidence that suggests that, that they're going to perform very well, right. maybe short term, but not long term. Um, but, um, so I'm definitely in the middle category. I have to force myself. Uh, and I was very lucky that I, uh, when I joined yellow pages, it was just incredible training, but everything was about productivity that you had to be productive. If you didn't get the stuff done on, you know, Monday morning before 10 o'clock and start the day, you know, with that intensity, uh, start the week, you'd just get left behind. And, um, cause that really taught me how to really get, uh, things just out of the way, you know, and, and how, you know, and I, and I like it to sport, you know, if you're aggressive in the opponent's end, you kind of create space in your own end. Um, yeah. and I think life's a little bit like that. Uh, if you if you're aggressive at the beginning of the week, you create time at the end of the week, rather than sort of letting the things sort of build up, and then then we're playing desperate towards the end of the week to try and get everything done, which is often what what a game can be like if you start slow. Um, so yeah, so that that's kind of my my analogy. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect analogy actually. I like that. I I played soccer. AK, I live in Hong Kong now. There's a lot of yeah. uh, UK yeah. influence here. So I'm learning to say f- football. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a perfect analogy. I really like that. So um, amongst the, well, actually, before we move on, there's something that you said that I thought was really interesting. And this is something that I'm sort of having a personal epiphany about now. And that I'm encouraging my my friends that are, are athletes to, to consider this. So you talked about how, like a CrossFitter can, can get sort of sucked into that world. And I think it's interesting. Like one of the things about CrossFit, one of the things they started out trying to do, I think is create a, a sort of a generalist, right? So Mm -hmm. I can swim, I can do gymnastics, I can do Olympic lifts. I'm not going to specialize in running or cycling or whatever. And what they've also, I think maybe unintentionally created is now a specialist for CrossFit. If you can't walk on your hands for a hundred yards or whatever, you're not, you're not going to the CrossFit games or whatever. 
And I think this is happening in triathlon. I think it's happening in bodybuilding. It's been happening in bodybuilding. It's happening in CrossFit. It's not just one sport, but I think there's this over-specialization that's happening um, in sport that I think as a coach, I think I'm interested to hear your opinion on this because you sort of, you just sort of just touched on this transition that you made from getting stuck in the CrossFit box um, Mm -hmm. to realizing that you were going to have more wellness balance if you just worked out from home, at least part of the time. Mm -hmm. I see this as a problem. I see, I see this over-specialization where people have to have 20 races on the calendar or they have to go to the CrossFit games or they have to go play in six different soccer leagues or whatever. And they're doing it to the detriment of their own wellness balance, which is possibly why they got into it in the first place. Are you seeing mm-hmm. this? Yeah, definitely. I, I've experienced it, you know, and, um, you know, that that's shift between being passionate about something, being healthy, strong, uh, and being obsessive. You know, there's a, there's a fine line, um, particularly when it starts to become obsessive, then, then, then there's a, there's a mindset challenge, you know, or a mental challenge, um, uh, because it becomes overwhelming and we, we lose sight of the things around us, uh, things that perhaps are more important than we realize, you know, it amazes me when, when I, I speak to an executive and they'll say, you know, Andrew, I took, I've taken your advice. I've decided to get fit and make some changes in my life. So I signed up for the London marathon. <laughs> Why <laughs> right. did you do that? You know, <laughs> you know, so, you know, just, you know that and I, and I appreciate people like we all have a challenge we love to push ourselves but you just told me that you're not spending enough time with your family now you're going to be running x amount of miles a week mm-hmm. um we're going to be talking about food constantly you're you know so so i i appreciate you know challenges um i love a challenge uh but we have to find that 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 balance between passion and, and purpose and uh and and then what becomes obsession uh, which can be detrimental, I think, on not just us, but the people around us, you know, are close in circle. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's just it's just a matter of time. I mean, I agree. It's, it becomes an obsession. But I mean, if you want to be successful at X, Y or Z and you're a, probably a A or A plus personality type, you're probably going to do the work that's required to be successful at whatever that sport mm-hmm. is. And so you, you know that that's going to require a, a pretty big amount of time. So yes, now you're addressing the physical wellness dimension, but now all of a sudden 70% of your energy or, or work, as you put it, which I like, is being put over there. And so the others are, are going to have to suffer. There's only so many hours in the day. Something's going to suffer. Um, and now that's where we lose lose the balance. And don't get me wrong, you, you know, professional athlete who has to be all in and committed and that's has different. to be a little bit obsessive. That's you know, different. and you're, you're getting paid to do it. You know, that's your job to be that like that. Um, I don't think I, I've worked with a, a top performing athlete who hasn't been obsessive. You know, that's uh, that's that's the drive. Um, but for the majority of us who are, you know, have got families who are trying to shape a career, um, stay healthy and strong, um, you know, that something has to give um, in certain areas. Um, so that, that's just my my view. And I've. You know, I've experienced that, that that mentality where if I hadn't trained for two days, I'm getting weaker. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've I'm 33 this year. I'm probably playing better hockey than I was 10 years ago. I really am. I've, wow. I've changed my diet. Me, you know, I, I feel more focused. But something changes in that I I just enjoy the game more. I've I've lost the obsession. 
and now I've I found the passion, you know, so I'm actually enjoying playing. It's amazing how many times you speak to people and say, actually, how much do you enjoy the game? They go, yeah. oh, not much, really. <laughs> I, enjoy, yeah. I enjoy the training and I enjoy, you know, some people don't like training, but I like the camaraderie. But actually, when you're in the intensity of the game, some people just don't enjoy it, you know. And um, But I, I've started to really relish now in that, that intensity and, and, and um, I, I feel like I've got my, my mojo, my passion back. For, for playing. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're, we're getting a little sports specific here, but I want to do that since I've got, you know, a, a coach of your caliber on. There's something to enjoying the training <clears throat> and understanding what, what, where your markers are in, in training for what it is you're trying to achieve. So my hope is hopefully we don't have 75 races on the calendar that we're training for thinking about an endurance sport here. Maybe mm-hmm. we're just going out and enjoying the training and we're not having to hit a certain power goal on the bike or a certain average uh, time on the run or something like that. I, I think that maybe it's just something that I'm, I think it's maybe a blessing. I just really like to train. I love to go to the gym and lift weights. I, I like to just mm-hmm. go out for a, a bike ride or run. And I think, you know, maybe now more than ever, I'm starting to realize that that's what it's about. It's just about getting out there and getting outside and enjoying the training. It's not about, I don't, I guess it's, I'm lucky that I don't have to have something on the calendar to push me. I don't have to have, right. you know, an event coming up uh, that I'm, that I'm training for. Um, I'm just enjoying the, the training itself. And I think if people yeah. can find the love and the training, you, you have a little bit better chance of the, the burnout or the overtraining part of it. A hundred percent. And I know that's not easy for everybody to hear because not everybody in, enjoys training that way or gets excited by it. Uh, I think you and I are very similar in that respect. You know, I, I do get excited by training. I do. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I train in conservatory. I've got some kettlebells. I, I, I don't have an issue getting up and doing it. I do miss the social element. I think there is something about being in the gym True. and talking to people. And, and I think there's, there's something very healthy about that um, that I, I just try and keep in check uh, as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that just enjoying the process, um, not thinking that we've got to hit, hit certain markers or, or objectives, um, you know, actually improve our overall performance, you know, letting go of, of that. Um, and that, that's been my experience. I, mean, I heard athletes say it all the time in their mid thirties and forties. I wish I knew, you know, my early twenties, what I know now, um, yes. It's, you know, it's, I would never have trained the way I did in my early twenties. You know, it was easy. Some of the stuff I was doing, um, you know, ego and vanity and, you know, and, um, yeah, I could, I would have enjoyed the game so much more, so much more, but hindsight's a great thing. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. One, One of the things I always talk about now, which is something I've gotten through many years of coaching is having an open mind to new ideas and just being, being okay when you make a mistake and being wrong and just admitting that you're wrong. Like I don't train clients the same way that I trained them 20 years ago or even two months ago. Cause I'm always picking up new ideas and just, Oh, but Paul, you know, you know, five months ago you were saying that this is what we should do. Yeah. But there's this really cool new study. Let's just try this. Let's, let's give it a go. That, that I think that just, you know, there's not many 20 year olds that have that sort of wisdom. I think it's just something that you, you gather through the years. I think it's wisdom, you know, and that's, yeah, you can't, you can't teach that. No. You know, that's, 
that's through failures and um, learning the hard way. You know, you can't you can't really put someone through that. So we'll help folks as much as we can. So one of the things I want to help people with is understanding which of the keys may be the most challenging. Can you think mm-hmm. of your four keys? And is there one of those or a couple of those that people tend to struggle with the most? I have my thoughts, but I want to hear what you actually see. Um, my experience has been uh, that I'll, I'll, I'll give a keynote talking about the four keys. And um, at the end, people come to me with just such varying degrees of challenges. So somebody will say, um, you know, I'm all in on my family. I have no problems with my family, my relationships, my social element side of things. I'm is all on point, but I just can't get my head around fitness. Hmm. You know, they they just can't. They just can't seem to. It just doesn't resonate with them. They maybe they'll play some five side soccer or they'll do something, but they can't really get their heads around. Um, you know, getting strong or do or, you know something or training for something. Um, uh, some people just are very comfortable in their business, you know, but, um, and some people aren't, you know, some people just can't seem to ahead in their business. They're in a good market. They've got a good product, but for whatever reason, whether it's, uh, the entrepreneurial skills, leadership skills, they just can't seem to get their business ahead in the same way someone else is. So my, the feedback is always very different. Um, I think, I think probably overall, if I was to, pull a load of people together, relationships, managing relationships, personal relationships, and running a business. Those two things are probably one of the bigger, biggest challenges because um, it, it's so easy to take our, the people around us for granted because we think we're doing the right things. We think we're bringing, you know, making money, providing a home, um, you know, that, and that, that, that can often uh, catch up with us. Yeah, I think I, I read this excerpt in your book. And I really liked it. I think it's the the general idea of it is your family isn't going to in the in the long scheme of things, they're not going to care about what car you drive or what house you live in or what area town you're in. They're really just going to appreciate you spending time with them. And that's can be <laughs> that can be really deflating to somebody that's putting 90 percent of their time in, into work and realizing they're just not giving their family any any time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I. It's going to catch up with them. There's not a. I mean, I watched a, a documentary on Netflix the other day, and I can't remember the guy's name, um, but he was a, you know, a very aggressive multi-billionaire, um, and he was talking about how competitive he was and um, how he had houses all over the world, and uh, and he, he he was kind of showing off, and he he was in in Saint Tropez, and he and he says um, to his wife, you know, choose a boat, just choose which one you want, you know, as if. And she said, you know what, could you just put the phone away and just enjoy the meal together? <laughs> and as he said it, he started crying on the documentary. This guy who's like a real alpha um, and realized that, and he says at the end, he says, if you genuinely think this is going to bring you happiness, this billionaire lifestyle, then you're going to be so disappointed. Um, and we've seen it over and over again. But, you know, I, I don't want to take people's drive away their ambition. But I, I saw a thing on LinkedIn today, the guy had posted a picture of him with next, next to his Porsche Cayenne and he said, I just bought this Porsche Cayenne, you know, I'm 25 years old and I've, <laughs> I've, you know, I've achieved my goal. And I, this is, this is my story. I, I wanted to, I, I didn't know what to, I, I, do I make a comment? Do I, I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's definitely more to life than, than Range Rovers and uh, Rolexes. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I want to, there's some interesting, again, we're talking about balancing your, your, your life. There's some interesting conclusions um, that were found. There was a study, it was in 2009, it was in the Journal of Human Resources and Hospitality and Tourism. And there appears to be, and I want to hear your take on this, Andrew, there appears to be a correlation between wellness balance and academic performance. So this, right. was, a, this was a three-year study that about 250 students, and they tracked how they spent their time over a two-week period, Okay. So mm-hmm. the time was tracked in 30 minute increments over a 24 hour period. So what were you doing for this 30 minutes? What were you doing for this 30 minutes over the 24 hours? And the students were separated into three subcategories based on their GPA. So you had top performers, you mm-hmm. had moderate performers, and you had poor performers. And the study looked at the student's percentage of time. And as the seven wellness dimensions I talked about earlier, what was your percentage of time spent in each of the seven dimensions? And they compared it to everybody in their GPA. Now, Andrew, I, want, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what, what group do you think had the best overall wellness balance? Do you think it was the top performers, the moderate performers, or the poor performers? Well, I've done a similar study, and um, it, was, it was quite interesting. But um, the, 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 healthy, the, the, the more naturally healthy people, and there's a difference, by the way. Some people just got a, a good cardiovascular system. We measured their cardiovascular tone. There's a relationship between brainstem and the heart. Um, and the top performers had the highest score. Yes. When I saw this study, I was I forced myself to not look at this. And I and every time I do a wellness presentation on wellness balance, I ask people this question. Nobody, you answered correctly. Nobody answers this okay. correctly, including me. Everybody assumes that the top performers have poor wellness balance. Okay, they're good in school. This is these are these mm-hmm. are uh, university students. They're good in school, but they fine, but they don't have a social life. They don't take care of their body. They don't, you know, right. have good relationships. Wrong, mm. Ola Mola. <laughs> top performers, <laughs> top performers had the best overall wellness balance, just like you said. Right. And the interesting yeah. thing was they spend most of their time on the physical activity dimension. One of the dimensions is physical. So this is sleeping, eating, and exercise. Now sleeping. I know that takes a lot of time, obviously, if you're doing it right, but that's big part of wellness balance. Like you really need eight hours mm-hmm. of sleep a night for, for full. They're saying now in studies, 2018 study said, if you want to perform at your cognitive best, eight hours is the minimum. Mm-hmm. I find that this. Sense. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty cool. Uh, and another interesting note um, was that poor performers, <laughs> they exercise both more and less than top performers. So it's not like, the top performers were all the, the super fit ones. Of course, you can go off on a tangent and go full focus on 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 physical. So it's just like we talked about yeah. earlier. There is a balance between this. There's a balance, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. funny too. So some some of the students even missed class for physical activities. Uh, I've got to get to the gym today. I just I can't make it to that psychology class. <laughs> and so, they were still better in their psychology. So they were still better academically. No, you no. Know, so these like, were the poor performers. So they they actually they the, went on. Okay, to they went end. too far. Yes. Got it. Right. Okay. One other interesting thing: uh, top performers spent more time than the others in the environmental dimensions, which might lead us to think that they may be a little bit more conscientious or just more aware of everything that they do. So I'm wondering. I haven't. I looked. I looked and looked. I wrote this article probably almost a year ago now. So maybe there's something out now, but when I wrote it, I couldn't find anything on top performers in the workplace. So actually I, I want to, I want to tap into your study that you did. 
Um, so based on what you've seen and working with the four keys and business professionals, do the top performers usually have good wellness balance? When I say top performers, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to say C-suite execs because they're, you know, moving up the ladder. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be lots of varying degrees and then also over what period would be running this, uh, test on because something to consider is you know they, they could be doing everything consistently you know you a ceo of an organization who is very committed to business committed over here committed over here and they're relentless um can often still result in burnout um so there's there is something it comes back to your point about balance um what i found um study that we did it was interesting was that um and i'm not sure if it's linked or not but we we measured uh, we used a product called uh, ProBiometrics, which was a, a way to measure the relationship between someone's brainstem and their heart. So how much um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true reading, really, of how of their of their cardiovascular and their um, their cardiac reserve. Um, so what, but what we, was very clear in a, in a very small study, by the way, um, that there were the top performing top performing salespeople um, had the highest cardiac reserve. So they just had a, they looked after themselves. They, they took their nutrition fairly seriously. Um, having said that, there was one guy who was the, the top performer who was a bodybuilder and he would train at lunchtime. So he would go and he would do a very heavy, you know, he was all about composition. Um, uh, you know, so he would do a very heavy workout and his cardiac vagal tone would just plummet. Like he would, his, his cardiac reserve would just drop so dramatically um, that there was no way that his cognitive function would be as good after the workout. So often we say, you know, go go to gym, work out. Um, you know, you, you're probably good for your for your energy, but there is definitely a line that gets crossed where we just push our bodies too far. Um, the group that had the best score after lunch uh, maintained a kind of well-being, uh, good well-being score. Um, they actually just went for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, they just sort of window shopping, just switched off, just you know. So, so I think there is a there's a there's a kind of a line that gets crossed, um, but, and we we see it in in top top CEOs where they just they're so relentless in every dimension of their life um, that uh, that that does catch up with them. There's no doubt about it. That you know, and it's as if they're thriving on anxiety, they're thriving on endorphins, they're thriving on adrenaline, essentially. Um, and that's not sustainable. Whilst their performance might be good for a period of time, um, you know, that's, that, that can sit, certainly catch up with them. That's really does. interesting. Um, it doesn't have to do with wellness balance necessarily, but there's some interesting research I've seen about productivity and creativity. And that it actually follows, follows in line with our 90 minute rule. So they've found that you can be really, really focused and productive for kind of a max of about 90 minutes. <clears throat> and then you just sort of run out of gas, sort of cognitively, if you will. But they found if you get up and go for a walk um, for about 20 minutes and then come back, especially if you're working on something that's really creative, you just mm-hmm. come back like super gangbusters, super creative and and ready to act. Um, it'd be interesting to see, it'd be interesting to see that study that you did uh, with somebody just doing something like a creative or complex project, how, how, how they'd be able yeah, to complete it. It would be, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, there are so many different factors to consider in these things. Um, that's true. You know, but I, I, 
I've become, I've started to relish, and I don't know if it's the right word, in, in laziness. And, and I, I, I want to, but look, looking at laziness as a, as a way of um, being okay with it, you know, just to stop. And because and, uh, sometimes I'd sit down, I'd be like, why am I laying down watching TV? I could be doing, I should be doing something else. I should yes. be doing, but actually, you know, just going for a walk, just slowing things down um, and not realize it, you know, realizing that I, I don't have to, when I go to the gym or train, I don't have to leave everything in the gym. You know, that whole mentality of leave everything in the gym. Don't, yes. don't you know, um, but actually I need to keep something. I need to keep something for my day ahead. I, I don't want to, I want to take my kids, you know, my little boy to play soccer. I don't want to be limping around because I've had a really heavy leg day. Yes. Um, you know, I want to be able to sprint and run around with him. So I need to, so my, my view on things has, has changed massively that, that, um, and laziness is probably not the right word, but just sort of easing into a slower, a slower pace, slower lifestyle and, um, sort of taking it all in and not, not thinking I've got to get to this step and this step. And, and, and often what I would find is even as a coach that my, my agenda would, um, I, I'd force the agenda a little bit because I'd want them to be as ambitious, yes. you know, and to push themselves and, and recognizing that actually what, you know, that's not my, that's my agenda, not, not theirs and, and being mind, mindful of that. Yeah. It's, so I'm quite enjoying that slowing life down. Well, it's interesting too, though. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's research backing that up too. Like, talking about leaving it all in the gym, like specifically with strength training, like they're finding now you actually, this, <laughs> this speaks to how I train, I train people differently than I do 20, 20 years ago when I was just first got certified while I was still in university. <laughs> I mean, every set yeah. was to failure and I'm here to push yep. you. Same. And and now yeah. they're actually finding like, you don't want to take your body to failure. Yes. You should be, you should be three or four reps away from failure. You should be challenged at the end of your set, but you definitely shouldn't be at failure because then you just end up training your body to fail. Um, so yeah. I, I love that. I love that. I, yeah. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm driving some of my endurance buddies crazy. Um, and I've talked about this a couple of times. Um, I like to cycle. I, I love to cycle. Um, and some of my, my buddies will go out for a good three or four hour ride, especially on, on the weekend. And I've completely backed off, you know, from a holistic perspective, from a Mm -hmm. calorie burning and cardiovascular capacity, trying to build my aerobic capacity perspective, a good hour ride is plenty, man, especially with the hills we have here in Hong Kong. I mean, you're, you're really working hard. And so, but it's hard for, um, I think some of my buddies to understand why I'm doing that. And I work really hard in the gym and I started noticing I'm, I'm starting to have depleting benefits of my hard work in the gym because I'm, I'm just burning too much calories out. <clears throat> and that is, it's just, it's a simple, yeah. it's a simple explanation to what we're talking about on a much grander scale, which is just trying to find your balance across all the different dimensions, even just within the yeah. physical dimension, there's a lot of things that you have to balance out. Yeah. I, I really like taking a kind of ancestral approach, you know, that our ancestors, they didn't train. They didn't work out. They just did the work, you know, and um, and they couldn't they couldn't be fatigued. You know, if they were too, too fatigued to run away from prey or fight prey, then um, it wouldn't have turned out too good. So I fear it's um, always leaving something in the tank, always having some sort of reserve uh, so that we're ready for some action later in the day. 
that's my that's my approach right now. I love that. Actually, I really really like that. Always leaving something in the tank. That that's going to be the name of this uh, podcast. I can tell right now, <laughs> because because that's not just about physical, is it? We're always leaving something in the tank. We have these. If you picture it, the National Wellness Institute talks about energy blocks. Mm-hmm. If you burn all your energy blocks on your bike ride or CrossFit workout or whatever in the morning, you're not going to have anything for social or emotional or spiritual. So that, that is a really nice way to put it, Andrew. That's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah, that's, it's working for me. And I, you know, I, I mean, I was saying that to my hockey games thinking I've got to, you know, I'm 43. I've got something to prove because I'm one of the older guys on the team and I'm you know, still playing at a sort of decent level. So I think, right, for Thursday, I've got to make sure I get into my leg workout. You know, if I don't, my legs will be weaker. And I was just, making myself more tired, more fatigued, um, more stressed, more stressed as well. That was putting my body under too much stress. Um, and now I feel like I've got, got into some sort of flow mm-hmm. and I'm really enjoying that, 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 that flow. Um, and it's not always, you know, it's not always like that. I feel like I've lost it a little bit. I've been, you know, in the context of well-being, I've had a bit of flu the last seven days. I've always prided myself on not getting sick and I've always, <laughs> You know, I don't get sick because I look up, you know, um, it really hit me last last week. Hence, I've got sort of coughing and so on. But um, so that's not me a little bit. But but for the most part, I feel like I've got things in that in that flow. And I when I work with my clients and they, they find that that balance, it's they, they really, really appreciate it. It's a it's a something a switch goes on, a realization. Yeah. And I think um, part of the the wisdom that comes with understanding balance is also understanding that you don't find it and then, Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm ready. Yeah. It's like a yeah, day. Yeah. It's daily, right? It's a daily finding. Absolutely. And so you, the yeah. more tools that you have from me and from Andrew and from the zillion other resources out there, you just take sort of one and 2% from everybody and you build your own wellness curriculum and then you yeah, understand. You you. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. You've been doing this for a while. I want to hear some of the cool successes you've seen with, the four keys uh, balance approach that you're giving to folks. Um, so we so there are a few case studies in the book. Um, we had one uh, guy who was uh, an ex uh, England rugby player um, who'd started his business and had that um, similar sort of mindset, you know, sports mindset and um, very focused, very goal orientated, uh, very process orientated actually as well. So he was, very organized in the way he, he operated, um, but had, had recognized that some of the things around uh, those facets of his life were starting to um, become a problem for him. Um, but at the same time, kind of it, it, it accepted it. And I think that's one of the things that a, a lot of business owners do, or they try and present it in a way to their partners. And this is not, I'm using male examples, but it's not just males, female CEOs and uh, as well, and business owners. Um, it's the same challenge, and um, I think we we kind of present this idea that it's you have to accept it. You have to accept that I'm going to work and I'm building a business, and everything's going to be good in three years' time. Um, and the truth is, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It catches up. And it the health deteriorates. Um, he was suffering with a bad back, uh, but recognised that some of that was to do with stress. It's not just his. You blame it on his rugby days. Um, so I think, you know, you know, these things are, uh, the, all these stories are, are great. Some of them make me quite emotional because some of the, some of my people that will, um, I'll see them at a conference and I'll take a picture of me with them 
and send it to their wife and say, this is the guy. And I always say to them, you know, this was not, you were the catalyst for the change, not, not me. I just presented an idea. You've gone all in on it. Um, and, and you've made some incredible life changes. So that, that's very rewarding. Um, and I think it goes back to our point earlier in the conversation about our fathers and, um, and health and, and, uh, and giving people an opportunity to, to kind of have a, a, a longer, a healthier life. Um, by making some some of these changes, I guess it's a woo woo thing, or <clears throat> definitely a social emotional thing for me. But if I could go back, you know, and tell my dad everything that I know now, and just mm-hmm. see if I, if it would have helped. Like, what if he was in the military? So, what if it was like, um, you know, something that he had to work around some of the chemicals that he had to work around in the military that caused his cancer, or was it, you know, the deodorant that he used? I mean. The, if I could just go back and just, just give him everything yeah. I wish I could. So that's, <laughs> I picture him in every one of my clients and just, I just do my best to not be yeah. incredibly Same. annoying, <laughs> but just like, here's everything. Yeah. I want you to take all of this and please, you know, just yeah. use what you can and, and what, what but you can make some informed choices. Here's, yes. here's some data, here's some evidence, here's what's going on. Um, uh, and then now make, make some choices, you know, try and make the best choices. Yeah. I heard you yeah, say very good. I'm really, really into mindset stuff right now. Um, <laughs> I think it's because I mean I'm I'm really honest with my audience, Andrew. I'm I think I'm I work on mental strength because I'm mentally weak, um, especially like social emotional stuff. Like I just I struggle with it. Um, I own it, and I and I've been working on it, especially this last year as I've been studying it. But that's and strength want, in itself. It oh my gosh, it is. And mm-hmm. so I heard you, I want to, I want to hear what you say about this because I heard you describe mindset as this balance between mentally tough and inner peace. And I didn't really know what you meant by that, but it sounds interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's having aggressive action, you know, so when you think about mindset and slowing things down, we might not associate it with focus and aggressive action. So the, the examples I give in my book are, um, SAS, Navy SEALs, you know, who are trained to be aggressive and take out targets. Um, but they've also developed the skill. There's a lot of work on them being able to, to you know, engage with the parasympathetic response, slow their breathing down um, and have that clarity. Um, and and I've, I've only kind of researched, you know, SAS and SBS late in more recent years, but um. When I wrote Managing the Mist, it's all about the mist. You know, this we get this red mist or we get this kind of white mist, which we don't often talk about, where it's like everything just fogs over. And we can't, athletes we talk about, they just can't see the ice or they can't see the, the pitch mm. or whatever. Um, it just kind of, uh, so it's a fight-flight response kicking in. Um, so it's that ability to, to uh, maintain that clarity um, under pressure. Um, and I, and I think that is a, a skill that can be learned and developed. Uh, I think there is some psychology in there as well and, and identify what people's triggers are. So when, when we go into that fight flight in sort of irrational situations, um, then what, what's the trigger? What, what's the button that's pushed and caused the amygdala to, to fire up and release adrenaline into the body and put you into that protective state? Um, because at a conscious level, we don't want that, you know, a conscious level going, I don't want to, be going to fight flight right now. I want to be totally present and see everything. Um, but it's this kind of unconscious um, response. So for me, that ability to 
be absolutely on target and, and focused like a you know I talk about NBA players and you know when the game is so chaotic and all of a sudden they have to slow down to make that game winning jump shot yeah um you know that ability to do that um uh, a golfer you know when the crowds are going crazy and they've just made the best shot and they've got one more shot to make to 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 win the championship you know how do you kind of get into that absolute focus but and clarity so mindset for me is is exactly that it's that ability to slow it down be absolutely focused um but there's some other work around that which are unwanted patterns that manifest themselves of um you know through our childhood and uh, that, that sort of manifest themselves at an unconscious level that we can undo some of those unwanted patterns um identify some of those triggers those things that's that, that stimulus that puts us into fight flight when we when we don't want it we do the work around that we can start making sense of some of these things and then we get some clarity and um i found that very powerful on a personal level um but i know that uh, you know people that have explored that um it's been life-changing and and often what what i find is it might be from a work perspective or it might be a sports perspective but um whatever those triggers are there's typically something at the very nub that's in the middle of the four keys that's playing out it's playing out across all four keys. So whilst they might say it's a business problem or a sports problem, um, they recognize through work that it's playing out in their relationships and other areas of their life. That's interesting. Okay. So if you don't mind, you can be my, my sports psychologist and maybe even my business psychologist. Um, so I'll tell you a couple of things that I've tried and you can tell me if I'm, because I understand neuroplasticity. I understand creating yep. a new neural pathway. I understand tricking the brain and I've tried all of these. Mm -hmm. So I read about um, fellow UK man, uh, Chris Hoy, gold medal cyclist, yep. an amazing athlete. He used to he used to have some um, some issues with uh, getting <coughs> the right mindset, and one of the things his coach worked on him with was called anchoring, which would yep. be you know, and you probably know this. He would he would create a positive image in his mind. So for mm -hmm. him, since he was such an amazing athlete, I I just figured he was probably thinking about the last race that he won or, you know, being on top of the podium or whatever. And he would tie that to a gesture. So think about being on the podium and then he would grab, he would actually grab his left earlobe. <laughs> so I'd always joke right. to my friends, if they see me cycling up the mountain and grabbing my left earlobe, they know I'm in, I'm in trouble. Something's going on. So I yeah. played around with that with some success. And then I've tried this neuroplasticity, basically a complete rewiring saying, I, what happens to me, Andrew, is I have, I get, um, I get really hot and my heart rate like spikes when I'm on the bike here in Hong Kong. <clears throat> and then I start to freak out. Oh my God, my heart rate's going through the roof. And some people will say, just don't look at your heart rate. Well, I, I, I want to know what's going on. So I'm not going to not look yep. at my heart rate. So then I've, I played around with, it's okay that your heart rate is high calm down, take some deep breaths. You know, you enjoy climbing the mountain and pushing yourself. So I've played around with these things with, with moderate success, but am I on the right track? Am I trying the right things? Or is the, are these just uh, tricks? Uh, well, they are tricks and, you know, they are uh, certainly ways to, to, to get yourself back into that state. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless, you know, the brain doesn't differentiate you being on the bike or being confronted by a saber-toothed tiger, it just hmm. it doesn't it doesn't care. You know, it's, it's just going to respond accordingly to the, the stimuli. So, um, 
So we think about what, what's the actual objective in those situations. The, the objective is to re-engage the parasympathetic response, is to get the brake back on the heart. Hmm. So if you take the heart out, for example, you put it on a table, it will continue beating at around 160 beats per minute because it's got its own pacemaker and, and so on. Um, no, mine would be but, one, 180. <laughs> 180. No, it, yeah. um, so, so the the brain, the vagus nerve's responsibility, you know, here is um to to send that message, you know, to put the brake on the heart. Right. Um, so the stuff you're doing uh, is the right thing, and I think sometimes it helps us to understand the mechanics of what what's going on. Um, you've it sounds like you've identified that the looking at the heart rate is the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of trying to just make sense of that and saying, okay, you know, it's, that's okay. You know, that's what's supposed to happen, I guess. And, and, uh, but are there some other triggers? Are there some other things that are causing the heart rate to increase other than just exerting yourself? Right. You know, what are some of those other things that might be, uh, causing some sort of, you know, fight flight or the sympathetic response. And then, you know, the deep breathing, you know, anchoring will help. Um, but breathing is the number one um, way to 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 re-engage this parasympathetic response. That's that's interesting that no- you say that um, because I've <laughs> out of failure of some of these other things where it's works a few times and it's not. I've just said okay, just try some box breathing or just some in through the nose, out through the mouth, yeah. just some deep breaths, and then just like you said, the heart rate does come down. It, it, I think that's. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we sort of ignore the most basic things that can that can help us. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's the anchor for you. You know, is to find a a place. You know, whether it's uh, the finger, finger and thumb or the ear or something, or even holding onto the bike, something that kind of just anchors you into the, a uh, a p- more peaceful place. Um, so it comes back to the point earlier: is, is finding that peace, but with absolute focus, you're going to get up the hill mm-hmm. um, and climb the hill. You know, there is a target at the end that you're going to achieve, but how do I find that that inner peace um, so that I'm not overexerting, uh, I'm not using up too much, because, you know, you're going to use more glucose, more oxygen um, when, uh, when the body's in that fight-flight state and become even more fatigued. Do you recall um, any situations as a coach, because you coached at an elite level where you've got your team there and it's like, Maybe you're in overtime and you're tied and, and everybody's tired and they're, you know, they're, they're probably at that point where they need to be grabbing the ear. Is there anything that you mm-hmm. can think of that you would say as a coach to help them focus and calm down and, and recalibrate? Um, for me, the, I can only know what works work for me and, um, and that is stick to the process. Mm. So to trust the process, the tactics, the systems, um, because that kind of gets us, gets them out of their own head. Ultimately, what you want them to do is to get out of their own head. That they are, you know, that they feel safe. They can add value. That they they're supposed to be on the team. All those sort of things that some self when self doubt might creep in. Um, you want to get them, get them out of their head and focus on on the the implementation and just stick to the systems. Keep doing the work. Focus on the on the process, um, and then everything else will fall into place in those moments anyway that, that, that for me is what sort of worked best um rather than kind of looking you know, I, I don't i'm not a big fan of enjoy yourself guys you know just go and <laughs> you know 
play with freedom because it, you know you, you need a bit of both you need some freedom and and a framework and i think life's the same you know you need a some sort of framework that i can work within but we also need a bit of magic in within that framework and that was always my thing with team gb was um to to give them some sort of level of certainty that they could focus on so they're out, out of their own heads um but give them enough freedom to to express themselves as well i love it i love it now we've heard your four keys andrew and you've been a real trooper. So Andrew's just getting over the flu, everybody. <laughs> he still did the show. I really appreciate you hanging in there with us. I've got one question left. We know you're an awesome coach. You're a business psychologist. You're you know working hard on your own wellness balance. What are some things that you do personally to find your wellness balance? I have a feeling we've probably heard a few of them already, but I, I just want to make sure we close the show on some things that you that you work on to, to help because I think it'll help the rest of my listeners. Um, walking is definitely one that, and, and having, you know, me time, I find walking is, is, is good for that. Uh, not, not feeling guilty when I, when I lay down on the couch, um, that it's okay. You know, our, our ancestors would have laid down all day, just <laughs> feeling out, you know, ready for the hunt, you know, preparing themselves. Um, so, so that, that has, has definitely helped. Um, and then I find that I'm more creative. Uh, I probably have more thoughts about how I can, um, you know, have some things I need to do for my family or book something. And so just having that time, book, just booking in time, you know, for our, for ourselves and not feeling guilty about that or thinking it's going to um, stop us from achieving our objective. Um, but I found the yeah, air walking is, and, and, and you know, nature. Um, and try, I'm trying to get back to nature it wasn't really something that I cared for growing up. Um, wouldn't really consider myself a hiker or, or something like that. But I, but now I, I really see the benefits of that, of reconnecting with, with nature. And I'm hoping to get out this year. Um, friends of ours were talking about going to Kilimanjaro because we've got a friend of ours passed away, um, uh, and we thought we'd walk up um, to the, the hike up Kilimanjaro. We talked about for years. Um, so look, looking at something like that, but yeah, trying to reconnect, reconnect nature. Those are really good uh, pieces of advice to close on, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And and I agree. I think um, that's something too, I think comes with, with wisdom is, is if you go and you put your bare feet on the ground, out in the grass or on the sand, you, you're not going to be sad that you did it. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, forest bathing is another sort of Japanese term that, that people mm -hmm. use. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're not going to you're not going to be mad at yourself that you spent some time in nature. I, I guarantee you'll you'll feel better. So great yeah. advice. Well, yeah, Andrew, yeah. thank you so much for taking time to join the show. Again, I appreciate you being a trooper <laughs> even though you're not feeling 100%. Uh, I really appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's been great. It's been awesome. Thank you all very much for listening to the show today. Also, thank you to Andrew Silito for joining me. A few things you can do to help out Boost Health if you'd be so kind. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast in your podcast app. Leave a review on the Boost Health Facebook page, subscribe to Boost Health TV YouTube channel, and follow My Boost Health on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. Until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Andrew Silito saying goodbye and find your balance.